Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said, I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Welcome into Early Odds here on 670 The Score. I'm Rick Camp. I'm in for Joe Ostrowski. Joe should be back with you next Saturday morning. Cesar Perez on the ones and twos today. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick C. Camp, and we have a big show for you today. One thing that I like to do sometimes when I get the chance to fill in for Joe is highlight some of the really great content that we have on the BetQL network because Hey, it's still fairly new. There's some people that have not gotten much of a chance to listen to the BetQL network. If you don't know the lineup, the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger from 5 to 8 a.m. Central, BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from 8 to 11, You Better You Bet with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley from 2 to 6. That's the show that I used to work before I came back to the score. And Bet MGM tonight from 6 to 10 with Ryan Horvat, Quentin Mayo, and Trista Crick. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to a segment from You Better You Bet on Friday where Ken Barkley gives out his entire college football card, which is lengthy considering how much of the slate has been played, you know, before today. And Ken has been killing it on college football this season. And a little bit of a treat for, obviously, the score listener is that with Nick Costos off on Friday, Ken's co-host, Chris Ranji. So you'll hear Ranji in there. Even though Ranji's a jerk, you'll hear him in that segment as well, and that's always fun. Then next segment, you will hear from BetQL Daily, and I thought this was fitting because even though Joe's not able to be on the show this week, one thing that's been a consistent theme, and I know Joe has brought it up here, is that he has a spot in the Circus Sports Million Contest with his executive producer, Paul Aspen. They collaborate on whatever their picks are. I'm sorry, I know that's a bad word in Chicago right now, but it's true. They collaborate on their picks. They've been doing really well. So I thought it made all the sense in the world to bring in the segment where Paul is giving the picks that him and Joe decided on for this NFL slate. And I think it's also just really, really good content. Regular listeners to the show know that in the last segment, I'll be talking with Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. He swept his three picks on the ponies this past weekend. Going to have to get a couple more from him. 
Go over the Survivor picks. It looks like it's going to be a tough slate for Survivor. Maybe even squeeze a little bit of basketball in. Who knows? Because you know when I'm here, there's going to be some basketball one way or another. A couple score programming notes before we really get into it today. Of course, as always, after the show, Inside the Clubhouse is on with Bruce Levine and David Haw. What's different this Saturday is Ohio State, Michigan will be carried on the score starting at 1030. Right now, points bet Ohio State, seven-point favorite with the total at 64 and a half. The Bulls will be on the score today as well. Chuck Swirsky will have your pregame at 645. The Bulls are flying back up after beating the Orlando Magic last night, 123-88. to They're taking on the Miami Heat, who have had a couple days off. I know they've been in town for at least a day. Miami is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. The total in that game is 212. Those numbers via our friends at PointsBet. So I always like to bring a nugget or two of my own when I come in to do this show. You're going to get a lot of great stuff from You Better You Bet. You're going to get a lot of great stuff from BetQL Daily and Listen, people know that my thing is NBA player prop. So if I have an angle that is working for me for now that looks like it has a little bit of uh, staying power to it, I want to bring it to your attention because, hey, why can't we all make money? That's the point of this entire thing. So you know we're getting into the weeds when I'm bringing up the names that I am on this, but stick with me because they've both been really profitable for me so far. The first one is a name that people would probably be more likely to know is DeJounte Murray of the San Antonio Spurs. His rebounding prop has been lined around seven and a half more often than not, but he's had eight plus rebounds in his last six games. He's averaging 8.2 rebounds on the season. Part of the reason that I think this has some staying power is that even with his rebounding success to this point, His prop has not gone up to eight and a half unless it's been a really advantageous matchup against a team that is well known to allow rebounds to point guards. A number that I like to look at is rebounding chances because then it shows, okay, how many opportunities is this person even in the area for a rebound versus just how many is he grabbing? Because a guy could have a lucky couple weeks where maybe he's just grabbing everything in sight but then that will, you know, come back down and regress a little bit. DeJounte Murray in this six-game stretch where he's averaging, he's had eight-plus rebounds in every game, is averaging 14 rebounding chances. On the season as a whole, he's averaging 13.9. So that shows, obviously, that he is getting those opportunities to rebound because he's a bigger guard. So those longer rebounds with teams shooting so many threes, a lot of times those are the opportunities he's getting because San Antonio has a rim protector and a guy that's a solid rebounder like Jakob Pertl to handle everything inside. And I think his presence is part of the reason that the prop hasn't gone up to eight and a half more aggressively from the books. So if you're seeing DeJounte Murray props at seven and a half with you know, minimal juice. I, I never, I try to never play any juice on props above minus 120. At that point, if I'm really bullish on somebody for a given night, I might look for an alt line or something like that. The other prop that has been really profitable for me has been assists for Josh Hart of the New Orleans Pelicans. Josh Hart, if you don't know, he's one of the guys out of the Villanova role player factory. And he's really dynamic when it comes to being a smaller guy on the boards. 
his shot can be a little sketchy here and there, but it's when he's trying to distribute that he can be really dangerous as a secondary playmaker for New Orleans. He's averaging 3.6 assists on the year, and yet his assist prop is consistently two and a half. I don't understand how that hasn't gone up to three and a half. I like I get that he doesn't have the highest usage in the world, but I mean he's doing this consistently. Hart has had four plus assists in eight of his last nine games. And I mentioned the rebounding chances before, but the assist equivalent of that for me is potential assists. So a potential assist is how many passes does a guy make where the possession ends after it. So there's either a turnover by whoever catches it or a shot and a miss, shot and a make, whatever that ends up being, or a foul. Josh Hart has seven and a half potential assists in that nine-game stretch where he's had four-plus assists in eight of those nine. And on the season, he's at 6.9. So it's a little bit of a dip. But all things considered, considering how low that prop usually is at two and a half, even if it does start to get juiced a little bit, I've been more than okay playing alternate lines. And on points bet, a lot of times when a guy is listed for assists, you can then scroll down and get, whether it's, four plus or six plus or whatever. And I wouldn't go six plus or anything like that, but you've been able to get good value on four plus assists for Josh Hart. So I think that's a really good way to find some value. All right, get that notes app ready because every day on you better, you bet Ken Barkley gives out either a better two that he's looking forward to on the Saturday slate or just something to think about. But on Fridays, he gives out the entire card. So in this segment from yesterday's You Better You Bet with Chris Ranji in for Nick Costos, Ken Barkley lays it out on the table for you, all the bets he has for this slate. We're only about a half a college football card, a lot of bets, and not more than I was even expecting. Uh, some of the lines have kind of taken shape, basically. Uh, we gave out a bunch of totals earlier in the week as part of the Eyes Bleed segment. Ranji, I know your personal favorite segment that we do all week. The, uh, <laughs> wait, wait the eyes what is games. that one? Those are the uh, games that you should never watch, but you should bet on because the games are terrible. <laughs> yeah. the, the teams are terrible. Yeah, I love the, it. the equivalent of UIC playing in a lot of them, basically. I don't play FBS level, but um, <laughs> but so I, as I uh, as I go through the bets, all when I get to an Eisbleed game, I will remark that that was also in that segment. So we're not doubling up on it or anything, but these were games that we gave out earlier. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan. Why not just start there? Hey, that's the best game. Um, the number is not crazy at all. It really isn't. It makes a lot of sense if you look at the closing spreads for both teams. Mine is only a little bit less than a touchdown, uh, and so we're kind of all in the same neighborhood here. Uh, I, I remarked, if those who were listening to the Monday show, and I think it made the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, it was in the Monday Lockmas segment. I was like, I like I like Michigan more than a touchdown in the under. The opinion has not changed. Uh, seven is probably worth something on Michigan a little bit. My number is six and a half. Uh, my total is a pretty good amount less than the current total in the market, which is 64 and a half. Now people have been betting Ohio state overs as a ritual since about Halloween and have been wrong just as often as they've been right. So I wouldn't let the steam kind of get in your head a little bit that this is like a destined over or something, uh, hasn't happened in a bunch of Ohio state's recent games, even though the over has literally been bet every week, sometimes multiple points. Um, so don't kind of get fooled by that. Doesn't mean it can't go over, but just that doesn't really is not predictive or indicative of anything. In my opinion, it's just something that's been happening with Ohio state games for a while. So Michigan seven would be a bet, probably like a half unit more than a touchdown. We start to get to a full unit and then the under at 64 and a half is a bet for me as well. So it's kind of fun. Biggest game of the week. 
one of the biggest games of the season. Uh, I will have action on the side in total. That is usually not the case, but it will be in this game. Uh, next game is, I'll try to go in chronological order here, which I think I've done. Uh, Eyes Bleed Under that we gave out earlier in the week. Army and Liberty. We bet uh, under, I believe it was 54 at the time. Maybe it was 53 and a half. Regardless, both would be bets. 53 and a half is still available in the market. So if you're late, no problem on this one. Uh, the number is still available uh, under an Army Liberty. Uh, aside for a Saturday that we have not talked about yet, going to take Boston College. Actually might have a little bit on the money line in this game too. Wake got bet a little bit. Uh, open four and a half at BC. Bet up to five and a half. Obviously, BC turning into something a little bit different. Uh, your Kovic came back to play quarterback, and like a, the season's kind of had a ton of twists and turns. Um, I think I have this kind of projected accurately, and I make it just a field goal. So I think more than a field goal with BC in this game playing at home. Wake, it's always really interesting when teams, not when like their season completely falls apart because Wake still has a lot to play for, but just you know they took a big L. Usually, the game after Clemson has been a disaster for ACC teams historically curious if that ends up happening to wake forest in this game so uh bc plus points uh anything more than a field goal i think is a good bet uh money line not a terrible idea if you want to create like a money line parlay i know people like doing that on saturday sometimes that would be an inclusion that i would recommend uh, a couple more eyes bleed totals just to get these out of the way maryland and rutgers current total in the market is 53 and a half that would still be a bet on the over um for us akron and toledo i think has gotten bet under another half point but still good 57 and a half would be a bet on the under in that game. Uh, and then another eyes bleed game before I get to some other stuff, Louisiana tech and rice under that number has not moved 53 and a half Louisiana tech uh, firing their coach day or parting ways was the word that we use. Skip Holtz who's been there for a pretty good amount of time up uh, at the programs kind of started to go downhill the last couple of years. Uh, we have the under in that game against rice. That will be his finale as head coach, which is kind of an interesting dynamic. Now they're a three and a half point road favorite, no real opinion on the side for me, but I guess like wacky things are now possible. Like maybe like, do they get up a lot for the the last game with him as coach? I have no idea. I just know I like the under in the game. So 53 and a half. Uh, we'll do the last eyes bleed game here because it's pretty close to this. UMass, New Mexico State. Total really hasn't moved the whole week. 59 under is the bet in that game for me. Uh, now, a few bets that we have not talked about. Actually, like seven of them. Uh, UTSA, North Texas. We haven't talked about this total all week. This could have... Well, UTSA is good enough. This was never really going to make the eyes bleed segment, but uh, 59 and a half is the total in the market in this game. UTSA and North Texas, we're going to play the over. Uh, that over is good to 60 and a half would be the last number I would play over on in this game. Uh, I'm going to play Minnesota against Wisconsin. Let's go to some actual games that people know about. Uh, <laughs> I think we have five bets left. I'm going to play Minnesota. It has to be a seven. I found a pretty cheap seven uh, this morning. Seven minus 110 is definitely a bet for me against Wisconsin. I know nobody wants to kind of walk in front of the Wisconsin buzzsaw right now. My number in the game is four and a half. Uh, I have very rarely showed edges on Wisconsin games. I've actually been on them a couple times during this run. So this is not like I'm not catching up to how good they are. I feel like I've caught up to how good they are. And I think this should be the number. The total is very low in this game, which is part of why Wisconsin should not be favored by very much. 39 and a half is the total that is very similar to a lot of Wisconsin games recently. Uh, so just, I think seven could end up being a pretty valuable number in this game with not a lot of scoring possessions. So if you find seven, that's a bet on Minnesota. Do not pay a lot for it. Wait for it or don't bet it. That would be my advice in the game. Uh, here's another weird game in the ACC. So we took BC at home against wake who has stuff to play for Pitt is uh, guaranteed of their spot in Charlotte, representing the ACC from the other division. Uh, they play Syracuse at their place at the Carrier Dome, and Pitt is a almost a two-touchdown favorite, taking money in this game from 11 to 13. 
Uh, my number in the game is nine and a half, and I would like to play Syracuse now. And I am actually kind of curious what version of Pitt we're even going to get in this game. I think that'll be interesting to follow, but it is not just a like psychological handicap. I show a number edge. That's why I'm playing it. But it's just fun to kind of think about the other things that are going on here and why it might be valuable. Uh, Syracuse plus 13, definitely a bet for me. As you start to get under 13, the, the unit size drops a little bit, but I think there are 13s in a ton of spots right now. I don't think Syracuse is a team that's going to take money on game day. I think you'll be able to find that number if you can find it. Uh, the battle for, I don't know, what is the, Ground, do you know what the name for the Kentucky-Louisville rivalry is? Or does anybody in the chat know? Is it like the battle for the Commonwealth or I, something? I, I mean, is it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they got some sort of nut that they give away. It was a trophy. I, I have no idea. <laughs> what what I don't nut know. would that be? That's what I don't I, know. Like, the, what do they have down there? Pecans? And I'm not, this is not me mocking the rivalry. I like, actually have no idea. I, I, I don't know. I'm really bad at knowing this stuff. The Governor's, well, the governor's Cup, cup. Tyler's, Tyler says. Oh, cool. All right. I had, literally had no idea that was true. Um, let's go to the Governor's Cup, shall we? Uh, Kentucky and Louisville. Louisville out to a three-point favorite, total 57. Total has not moved the entire week. Sides moved a little bit and moved into a spot where uh, Kentucky three, I think, is worth a bet for me in this game. My number is closer to one or pick between those two numbers. So it's not, I don't think this is like some monster edge, but I'm going to play everything here in the last week that's like a reasonable difference and sitting on three, not as key of a number in college football, obviously, but uh, I'll take three with Kentucky in this game. I think that's pretty good. In uh, Tulane and Memphis, let's play the over 57 and a half. That would be good up to 59 uh, in that game. And then the last game, uh, let's talk about Bedlam, where apparently nobody wants to bet Oklahoma now. And all I do is bet on them in like every game that they play because nobody wants them. Bet them against, they got, nobody wanted them against Baylor. Everyone was right. No one wanted them against Iowa State. I was right. One and one. Uh, now here's the tiebreaker in big Oklahoma games where no one wants them. Oklahoma State opened three and a half, got bet out to four and a half. I have a really controversial opinion on this game. The total is also bizarre. It bet down 51 and a half to 49 and a half. My, the total is very confusing to me. I kind of like the over in the game now. If it's going to be under 50, I have not bet it yet because I just didn't think this would ever happen. I may end up with an over ticket in this game too. If it's like 48 and a half, 49, that's just kind of a wild number in this game. I know how the teams have played recently. I know about Oklahoma State's defense and how good it's been. I think this steam is an overreaction to those recent performances more than an accurate projection. We see that in college football sometimes where offense or defensive units start to kind of get crazy, uh, a lot of hype, and that can sometimes create valuable betting opportunities. I, I think that's happening here. So maybe an over bet, like 49, I think I almost have to. Less than that, I think I have to. I really like Oklahoma in this game at this number, which as you could just play this on a loop from the last month. Basically, I really like Oklahoma in this game. Um, usually we're waiting for a number to appear that's valuable. To me, four and a half is it. Um, if you can find a four and a half with Oklahoma or a four, I think that's a great number. I can't believe this is over a field goal. Honestly, my number in the game is Oklahoma State by one. And again, like I've been updating as Oklahoma has been kind of back and forth and not playing great. And Oklahoma State's been on this run. There's a bunch of weeks this season where Oklahoma State definitely would not have been favored in this game. And now I make them a favorite. So I'm kind of adjusting a little bit with the market, but this is a little bit of a crazy number to me. So uh, four and a half, definitely a bet. Four, definitely a bet with Oklahoma. It's very weird to end up on Oklahoma so many times in the same college football season, a team that's typically bet on and steamed to no end every week. And now this year, nobody wants them the second half of the season. So I, I think a lot of valuable bets have been created and we won one of them. Uh, so Oklahoma in the game over kind of contrarian, I would just wait 49 or less. I think I would have to start playing the over in this game. And uh, and that's where we'll stop. So I'll kind of, I'll do like a little bit of a recap here, Ranji, and then we can kind of 
do whatever for a couple minutes here. You can react to my incredible degenerate tendencies. So without referencing numbers, Michigan and the under, the under in Army Liberty, Boston College, the over in Maryland Rutgers, under in Akron Toledo, under in Louisiana Tech and Rice, over in UTSA and North Texas. Try not to laugh as I read some of these. Under in UMass and New Mexico State, Minnesota, but has to be a touchdown. Syracuse, but has to be 13. Kentucky, but has to be three. Oklahoma, but has to be four or four and a half. The over if it gets to 49. And we'll take the over in Tulane and Memphis. Is that enough bets for you for tomorrow? How's that, how's that yeah, that's, that, that's plenty. I, I do like 49 and a half even. I think I would take that for the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game. The total yeah, has gone back and forth a little bit. I think you're, I, so, so I think, Chris, the funny thing is your opinion on the total, like, man, I think but now that it's under 50, I would bet it. It has gotten yeah. bet back up in a few places, so there was some resistance when it dropped to that point. And it's not like sometimes when you advocate for bets, people will be like, oh, you don't like that team? Like, they're good. Or like, oh, you don't, you don't like their defense? And it's like, well, all I'm basically saying when I say I like that bet is that the total should be like 52, which is still a below average scoring college football game, by the way. <laughs> like it's not, right. it's just like when, when I, or like, I, I like it to, oh, you don't like the other team? No, I just, you're like, oh, you don't like Ohio State? No, I think Ohio State's incredibly likely to win the game. <laughs> I just think that the number should actually be a little bit under a touchdown instead of a little bit over a touchdown. Like that's all, it's all I'm saying when I advocate for these bets. It's just the number is a little, usually a little, especially this point in the season. Just a little bit off, and uh, we're playing every edge tomorrow. It's uh, it's Black Friday; everything must go. Like fifty percent off all all sides and sides and totals. So we got a lot of bets for tomorrow. It should be fun. Ken Barkley is the goods. If you're not following him on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson, you're doing yourself a disservice. And you can check out You Better You Bet two to six p.m. on the BetQL Network. Also, a bunch of their segments end up in the podcast feed as well. All right, when we come back, you'll get some NFL picks. From BetQL Daily, I'm Rick Camp in for Joe Ostrowski. Joe should be back next week. Remember, Inside the Clubhouse is coming up at the top of the hour, and at 10.30, coverage of Ohio State-Michigan will start right here on The Score. Welcome back to Early Odds on 670 The Score. I'm Rick Camp in for Joe Ostrowski. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick C. Camp. In the last segment of the show, we'll get some picks on the ponies at Hawthorne from Jim Miller at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter. He went three for three last week, so make sure to get those bets in from what Jim has to say. And a reminder, at 10.30, coverage of Ohio State-Michigan will start right here on The Score. With Joe not able to host the show, it only felt right to get Joe involved in some way. So on Friday's BetQL Daily, Joe Giglio, Aaron Hawksworth, and the executive producer Paul Aspen went over the picks that Joe and Paul have for their shared Circus Sports Million entry. We did end up going in on the Bills as one of our plays, which means we had to get them all in for the weekend, but we right. felt like the risk was worth it. It's interesting because I sent them like once the picks came out or the, the slate came out Wednesday night. Uh, so we had to get them in Wednesday night. Uh, so they came out Wednesday around noon circled a handful of them and sent them over to them. The Bears were one of the original circles, kind of with a question mark. Um, so that was kind of the original case for a Thursday game. I had a question mark next to the Bills. But then as that story kept developing, we're just like, way too much smoke. Don't know how it's going to go. Left the Bears off, but we did feel like the Bills, and we got five and a half in the contest. So felt like that was definitely worth it. And we just kept kind of coming back to bounce back spot, Trevor Simeon, and the case for New Orleans is, well, was the run defense, which the Bills actually kind of ran the ball on them. But in general, the Bills don't run the ball, so it was kind of like a non 
non-factor. So worked out all right. Off to a 1-0 start. The last time we started 1-0 on a Thursday, we went 1-4. So let's not do that again. Um, but we can... <laughs> Go through the rest of our uh, the games we're considering now. Um, the last thing I'll say before we get going, though, I sent Joe like a game by game kind of breakdown, and then he wrote back, um, which was a good sign to start. Didn't even look at your picks until I got my notes together. So good to see we agree on a number of these sides. So all right, we'll win so you guys are on together. the same page. Yes, yeah. on the same page. Need a big week this week. Uh, you're off to a good start with the one and zero. All right, where uh, where else did you guys land? And and were there any that? Got close to uh, consideration and got bumped out. Yeah, so we'll start off with a couple that um, did not make the cut, like just didn't touch at all. Rams-Packers just kind of went back. Like, I leaned to the Rams. Um, I think he was actually leaning to the Packers, but just no real value taking one side or another on that number. Um, Browns-Ravens was in the mix because we all know Joe was a Browns guy. And, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, it kind of points that way. It's a weird like, three and a hook. You know, I think it's Browns or nothing, but we stayed away from that one as well. Um, Chargers, Broncos, we're on opposite sides of. I like the Chargers. I think the Broncos defense, like we have this idea that the Broncos defense is good, and I don't think it is really anymore. It's getting worse. They are coming off the bye, but also that number hasn't. They miss Von Miller, you know? Yeah, and definitely a leadership presence. That number hasn't moved from two and a half, though, which is kind of weird, right? So stayed away from that one. Yeah, definitely stayed away from that one. And. His lean was Steelers. I'm on the Bengals uh, because I think, they, as we talked about earlier, you guys talked about earlier, the Bengals kind of are the Chargers. The Chargers kind of are the Bengals. It's, and granted, the Steelers snuck inside that number last week, but they needed a lot of help to get there at the end. Uh, left that out. Uh, Falcons-Jags, no. Panthers-Dolphins, as I talked about. I, I personally played the Panthers, but we ended up staying away. So, oh, and Jets-Texans. <laughs> kind of mentioned hey can we have a just take a moment to acknowledge that you're back on the panthers i love this it was a matter of time we we all knew it was coming joe's joe's team he can't quit as the jags i'm the panthers we only choose the best we only choose the best teams 1995 expansion all over again we just we can't quit those teams right Right. uh and jets texans no so uh all right so some sure thing well sure bets bets we decides we're definitely taking the titans this line we've talked about it all week it's just way too big don't get it and as joe pointed out Titans actually moved the ball against a pretty good defense houston's defense isn't terrible actually so they moved the defense against them um tennessee defense is actually number seven epa per play in the last month so again mac jones is laying a touchdown like this even touched seven uh joe g you were out yesterday but i saw i played it at six i played it at six and a half i played it at seven it's back down to six and a half so tennessee could make a room my sunday but as far as the contest we got six and a half in the contest so we we're on them which and i think we're all on the same side yeah and you're getting the mm-hmm. patriots right now at their highest point like this is yes. the most hype they're off 10 day- it's been 10 days since the last game a lot of times to bet them up i just the Patriots don't strike me as a team that when they play decent teams or good teams, they're going to blow teams off out, right? They've done it to some bad teams. They'll blow the Jets out. They'll blow the Falcons out. But their style leads to likely yeah. closer, low-scoring games. Like yep. I said earlier, 21-17 this game could be. I think the Pats probably win the game. They're at home, yep. and they're just better right now. But just so many points. Yeah, they're playing, with, good gotta, yeah. Yeah, they're playing good teams close, but they're not blowing them out. And that – Point right. differential, 60 against the Jets, plus 60 against the Jets, 19 against the Panthers, 25 against the Falcons, 
38 against the Browns and kind of an outlier game. So Titans are in plus six. Minnesota getting the full field goal. This actually got up to three and a half at one point in the contest. It is three. Um, Vikings are four and one on the road. Niners one and four against the spread at home. Um, both teams pretty good. Like they're very similar teams. Again, we've talked, and as I pointed out, the Vikings defense is actually getting much better than it looked and than it looks on paper. So again, hopefully this is a less than field goal game. May someone down one, kicking a field goal to win at the end, uh, to win by two. So I think so you're on I the Vikings have, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I'm with you. I do. The one concern I have, and I, this kind of popped up today and this morning. So I, what's going on with Everson Griffin? Is, yeah. is he out? Probably. I would all, okay. I would all but assume he's out. Yeah. So he has five sacks this year. So he's still a presence. He still makes plays. And Dalvin Tomlinson went on the COVID list. So they're down two defensive linemen for this game against Shanahan and a great Niners running game. That's gotten better as this year's gone on. I, I feel like points are getting scored. I think you're on the right side of it. I would take the three, too. I just I feel like Kirk's going to have to get to 28-30-ish to win, probably get to 26-24 to cover for you guys. Yeah. But they, they like the, the, the 49ers are going to score points, too, is, is my thought. This is going to be more high scoring with that. Yeah. I was I, I did play the under earlier in the week, but like having that's that could maybe I mean as long as they run up and down the field, maybe they'll move the ball and the points will be yeah. a little bit less. But um, so yeah, so we'll see there. Definitely on the Vikings. Uh, we are on the box laying three at the Colts. Uh, it just seems like look they're going to stop the run, and they actually have been pretty decent against the pass over the last like month or so. Um, I am getting a buy low spot after, you know, the Colts people, you know, what was it? The, um, they obviously lost to the football team and then their last game, they lost the saints. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, again, this seems like it probably should be more than three. I think it's, and again, Brady on the road, but I like your guys point about the dome earlier. And if Carson Wentz has to go win this game, I'll take the bucks every time because they're going to stop Jonathan Taylor. So, uh, again, kind of a uh, chalky, but on the Bucks this week. Yeah, I mean, I feel like worst case, you're up four points, and Wentz has the ball late, and the only way you lose this is if he he wins the game, right? He goes and has a touchdown drive to win the game, but most likely, he doesn't, and you get out covering the, the number. I I would have thought four when the week opened up, three and a half made sense, but yeah. I guess they were afraid teams would just jump on the Colts plus the three and a half if they gave people yeah. the hook. Yeah, that, that makes you got a good sense. And look, I mean, again, look for a Gronk game. The Colts' third most touchdowns, yards, and second most receptions allowed to tight ends. And Brady, Brady's got his guy back, so look for that. Yep. Um, Tampa Bay, by the way, the Colts, their pass defense, 20th. Not that great against the number one passing offense. So, um, so this is a tough one. Eagles, we're, mm. we're laying the three and a half. Like, hate to do it, yes. but... I mean, what did the Giants do well? We talked about it. And over the last month, the Eagles are number two in offensive EPA per play, number six offensive success rate, number three defensive EPA per play. And it's the run defense, the Giants' run defense is just not good, and that's how you have to stop the Eagles right now. Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about the Eagles over the course of this year. I feel like, and this bodes well for their chance to make a run, they've been fairly predictable. Like, uh, when they are, they've been favored twice this year. The Lions game, by three and a half, they blew the doors off the Lions. They were favored last week, and they beat up the Saints. Most of the year, they were underdogs. They weren't good to start the season. But the other thing, we've talked a lot about it. When they play good quarterbacks, 
they're in trouble. They just get torched. Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. I, I just I can't imagine Daniel Jones is going to have you know put up thirty points against the Eagles on Sunday. He he, I, I saw a stat earlier this week. Jones has forty nine career touchdowns, forty nine career turnovers. He's a turnover machine. Wow. He just wow. he just gives it up as much as he puts points on the board. That's a big deal in this game. And Jalen Hurts, like obviously his running is a big deal right now. He doesn't turn the ball over, so you could have that. Like the Giants just feel ripe for early turnover. They're down ten points, and like that stadium starts booing them. I think you're on the right side of it, even though it is scary to do three and a half with the team. I mean, the Eagles are still under 500 on the road division game. It's it feels and like it's the, the, top. Only reason... it's the yeah. top of the Eagles market. Right. But I still think it's the right it's the right play. Yeah. I mean, the, you can't take the Giants in this game. No, no. It's no. Eagles. Or nothing. <laughs> uh, the no. concern on the Eagles defense. Could be a big Saquon game if you're looking for some props. Eagles allow second most receive receptions to running backs. Uh, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, um, most receiving touchdowns, receptions, and yards allowed to tight ends. And we mm-hmm. saw Adam Troutman get in the end zone for the Saints last week. Uh, we were oppo on Chargers Broncos, like I mentioned. He was thinking Steelers. Um, last three games for the Steelers, 32 in net yards per play. No thank you. Uh, Bears are tough to back. So what are we? Oh, okay. So the last in the discussion at the end was the football team and Tennessee, Minnesota, the Bucks, the Bills. Okay, so the football team was the one we left out. So that's your last one out. That was kind of your sixth pick. Yes. Um, so the thought being, and I put them in a teaser. Uh, you know, tease them up when they're on the other side of the yeah. one. So I just think like. The, the Seahawks just seem like the like the whole entire like changing of the organization is about to happen this offseason. Like I, I think this is like Russ hasn't looked anywhere near healthy. I don't know that another week gets him any better. And again, the Washington football team can move the ball. We've seen it. Um sometimes it works out, sometimes it does not. I don't know that um I would, you know, I seen I think I saw a two somewhere. I don't think I'd lay the points with the football team, but we got plus one in the contest, I believe, or Maybe it was minus one. Either way, basically to win the game. Um, So they were, yeah, it was minus one. Washington minus one. That was our lean on that game, but we ended up staying away. Um, But that was our our sixth one in. So I think you guys are correct on this game. And I think the Seahawks stink. And and here's here's something to think about with the Seahawks and just in their entire season. I know they were without Russell Wilson for a little while. But do you know the last time that the Seahawks, the Seahawks have won one game since week one against a quarterback that played the whole game. They beat the Niners in week three, and that was when Garoppolo got hurt. Remember, Trey Lance had to come in the game. He made some plays. He missed some plays. Like, he wasn't prepared to play in the game. Garoppolo got hurt. Their only win, other than that, since week one, was against the Jaguars. And in week one, remember, Carson Wentz was hobbled. I mean, he couldn't move the first couple weeks of the season. So I can make a case the only win they have against a quarterback that was either healthy for the full game or fully healthy was the Jaguars all year. This is a bad team. They're bad are bad. And it came down to either Philly or Washington. And we went with the better team, we thought. Yeah. Um, but Right now, the Eagles definitely look like they're better. And I would have more trust in the Eagles than I would with the Washington football team. It just seems like they have more talent. Even when Washington had talent, they weren't playing well. You know, um, Chase Young, for example. I mean, they still have a terrible defense. 
you look at the DVOA rankings, 31st. Well, they have played a little better lately, it feels like. The Washington defense, they, they picked off Brady twice. Yeah, I think their defense and their offense has played better. I think just if we're talking about this week, yeah. I think the Washington football team could go on a run here. But if you're comparing which team do you have more confidence in this week, I would take the Eagles over the Washington football team. Yeah, I think they did the right. I, I agree. And also um, the Seahawks are probably a little bit better than the Giants, too. You know, the, the teams yeah, that they're sure. playing. I, I like those two matchups better. Also, can we just look at the Eagles' losses? Like, you know, Niners outplayed them, but the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Raiders before they turned into a mess. And apparently they're not toast not? anymore either. Yeah. yeah. And the Chargers. They've lost, they've lost to really good quarterbacks. Yep. I mean, that's it. They play good quarterbacks and good teams. They lose. When they don't, they, they win, which means they're probably going to win a lot of games here. I mean, the, the Eagles, Washington, those games are going to matter down the yep. stretch of the season. And by the way, the, the NFL is telling us the Seahawks think too. They, they flexed them out. You see that next Sunday yeah. night? They were supposed to play the 49ers. Yeah. And they took them out of prime time, which means everyone knows the Seahawks are pretty bad. Really good breakdown on Paul and Joe's picks from Paul Aspen, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth of BeckQL Daily. Reminder, BeckQL Daily, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. on the BeckQL Network and also available in podcast form. When we come back, we've got one more segment. Of course, we'll be talking with Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Going to have to get his picks on the ponies because he went three for three last week. Also, we're going to talk about the NFL and maybe squeeze a little bit of NBA before we give way to inside the clubhouse at the top of the hour on the score. Welcome back to Early Odds. I am our camp in for Joe Ostrowski. Joe should be back next week on the show. You know what time it is. Every week we talk with Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Follow him on Twitter at Hawthorne Jim. I hope Thanksgiving treated you well. And what does Hawthorne have going on this weekend? Yeah, I'll tell you, Rick, it was busy. It was a busy Thanksgiving here. There was horse racing going on across the country. There was uh, NFL action all day long. Of course, you got all these holiday college hoops tournaments and still some big college football games. So things are busy here at Hawthorne. They're going to remain busy as we're basically racing year-round now, so that's a beautiful thing. Live racing every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But we talked Survivor last week, and we were able to eke things out last week. And I'll tell you, this week, if you didn't play on Thanksgiving, like we talked about, you're kind of left with choosing, do you want the Eagles over the Giants? Do you, do you want the Texans over the Jets? There, there's not a whole lot of options out there on Sunday. Yeah, as I'm looking at points, but the largest spread on Sunday is New England minus six and a half hosting like Tennessee. Like, are you ever really like, okay, do you, is New England good? Yeah. Are you really ever going to trust them with Tennessee coming in with how up and down Tennessee can be? I, I don't know if I could trust myself to do that. Yeah, I mean, good luck to anybody that that's that's still around in Survivor. And I'll tell you, all the, all these Survivor contests, you're probably down to the last five percent, but you're probably also down to those options too. Are off the board. So now it's just kind of hoping that you have one of those games where you at least have a team on both ends of the game, and then you just have to have to kind of flip a coin and, and hope you get lucky. And it's been a really weird season, Rick, and especially lately. Because so many teams in the NFL, you've had players who are questionable that have more gone to out than have gone to in recently. COVID protocols have hit teams really at the last minute and have changed lines in that. And you see it time and again, you almost have to wait as late as possible to put your plays down or to put put the bets down. And it's happened more this year in the NFL, I think, than any other year. Now, before we started the conversation here, we were talking a little off air about the Bulls are, are still kind of a thing right now, too, is especially with Survivor and NFL just getting 
as being as random as it is, as you've mentioned, the Bulls have been pretty solid if you've been backing them and, you know, for lack of a better term, been uh, bullish on the Bulls to start the year. Doing that had been pretty good for you. But as of late, the loss to the Pacers, kind of understandable. And then just that uh, the abomination against the Rockets and, you know, being back at it now after Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, what's your impression kind of been of the Bulls or, or any way that you've tried to attack them? Well, you know what? The Bulls have been a lot more fun to watch. So you're right about that. But when you get fun to watch and when you become good again, it does make those losses like that loss to Houston really frustrating. And that's the thing that you have to kind of look at now because continuity-wise, okay, well, Vooch, you definitely won the lineup. I've still been kind of questioning what you really want to do with Kobe White because it seems like the flow of the game has kind of been lost with him on the court. I'm curious to see if they're going to try to showcase him and really kind of look to deal him elsewhere. But you look at playing the Bulls, and the way I love playing the NBA too is the player props. And the Bulls really have three players that you can look at props-wise for a couple of different things. You can either go Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan for over on points almost any night, and there's times when both of them are going over. Or the other one to look at, just because of the amount of three balls that he chucks up, is Lonzo Ball for over on threes each game. Because that number is usually around two and a half. Every once in a while, it ekes up to three and a half. But man, he's putting up between seven and ten at night at nights for the three pointers. You only have to get hot for a little bit there, and you're going to be over for him. He was over in the first half against the Rockets. But to me, player props kind of seem to be the way to go, at least a little bit more than sides. What do you think? Yeah, what's been interesting with the Bulls that I tried to pinpoint early that I feel like I've actually taken a step away from is their assist numbers. Because one thing that's been part of the success of the Bulls has been how egalitarian the offense and the playmaking has been because they have enough guys that can make enough plays. They have like four guys averaging around three and a half to five and change assists. So it's just a matter of who it is every night. But one thing I've tried to do, and mind you, I haven't been, I haven't done it successfully with the Bulls yet this year, is figure out DeRozan games. Because I, I thought the yep. Houston game was going to be a real nice matchup for him, played over his points. It was over 24 and a half, and that didn't end up going very well, as a lot of that game didn't. But it, that's one thing that I've, I'm just like with the NBA in general. I'm kind of not 100% out, but I focus on futures and I focus on player props. And I'm kind of happy with that because you can drill down on such individual things. Like, mind you, this is a player in the Chicago area I know people probably do not care about. But Josh Giddy of Oklahoma City is a guy that when Shea Gilgis-Alexander does not play, he's the only guy that can make a play for other guys. And And his assist prop just has not moved. So it's just one of those things where I look at things like that or... So, you know, three-point shooters against certain teams because they allow a ton of attempts. So, like, those kind of things where I'm really able to drill down on specifics are things that I've really liked getting into the last few years, obviously, but especially this year for, you know, as much as it seems like there's been a lot of variance in terms of who's winning games or especially being able to cover any numbers. Yeah, and, and you make a great point there too, Rick. And that's the one thing that I've enjoyed about the Bulls this year is unlike a lot of other teams who, who have those built-in rest nights for players and say, okay, we're kind of taking this night off, or three guys are out for whatever reason, it seems like Billy Donovan has the Bulls and the players are wanting to play each and every game. And that's one thing that you knew we could rely on the entire Jordan era is the guys were going to be out there unless they were seriously hurt. You don't see that with some teams in the NBA. You have to watch 
who's out. You have to watch who's getting that rest tonight, that kind of thing. Who's got that small injury that they're going to take a couple of nights off. You really haven't seen that with the Bulls this year. I, I like that. I appreciate it. I enjoy it out of my team because you know the effort's going to be there. But it's something when you're betting, you do really have to focus on. Absolutely. And, Jim, I know we talked about it last week as well with points bet in all three locations at Hawthorne, Prospect Heights, and Crestwood with college basketball being back as well. There's still just so much going on at all hours of the day. So could you just reiterate for everybody just the the hours that are available for people to be able to go in, to be able to have a good time, place a few wagers, and, uh, you know, hopefully make it a, a profitable uh, holiday weekend. Yeah, and you're right. And because of that, with all these holiday tournaments as well there, Rick, you want to get in early. So the points bet locations are open at 9 a.m. They're open bright and early, so you can jump in. Because there's games that were starting this weekend as early as 10, 1030 in the morning. So you can get those wagers in, especially on an NFL Sunday. You want to be able to get those plays in, too. And then just depending on what's going on at night, they're going to be open well past 10 o'clock. So you can get those wagers in on those late games, the West Coast football games for the college end of things, too. So there's a lot of hours for the points bet locations you want to jump in. And if you want to just sit here throughout the course of the day and watch and wager on games and live bet throughout the course of a game, you can do that, too. I know you ran the table with your picks on the ponies this past weekend. Uh, what can we expect today? Well, who do you have? Yeah, we're going to go right back to Hawthorne once again. Let's see if we can go three for three again, Rick. We're going to go in race five with the five chopper across the board, a horse that has speed and should be loose on the lead. Race seven, we'll go with the five, Maxi Moon, a horse that raced really big in its last out. And then race eight, the two, draw the line, a horse that should settle back and run on late. All three horses in with a big, big shot. Follow him on Twitter at Hawthorne Jim. Jim Miller, always good to talk to you. Look forward to uh, talking to you whenever I get the next chance to. You got it. Good luck this weekend, Rick. That is Jim Miller of Hawthorne Racecourse. Thank you to Jim, and thank you for listening to this edition of Early Odds. Joe Joe Ostrowski should be back next week. Make sure you keep it tuned here to 670 The Score, because Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw is up next on The Score. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.